Hello there, and welcome to the third and final episode of the IT Modernization podcast series, which is brought to you by CIO and our partners, Dell, VMware, Intel, and Insight. I'm Doug Drinkwater, a contributing editor at CIO, and today I'm joined as always by Dell CTO, Nigel Moulton, VMware's chief technologist, Lee Dilworth, and Intel's Matt Penny, and Matt is the Intel EMEA account director for Dell Technologies. So guys, thanks for once again joining me on the IT Modernization podcast series. So in the episodes one and two, we discussed the IT landscape today and the move to cloud as the default operating model. Today, we're tackling the big C word, and that's COVID. We're going to be discussing the C change coming in IT, the impact on employee and customer experience, how it's impacting IT teams, and ultimately redefining the edge. But to get started then, Nigel, I'll start with you on this. How have you seen COVID-19 change the definition of the edge? We've obviously seen a huge move to remote work, working across the world. So what's the impact been of that? Well, so it was a, uh, first of all, it was dramatic uh, in that I don't think anybody necessarily planned for this, firstly. Secondly, in terms of, you know, Dell's business and certainly elements of our laptop business, you know, there was a sudden influx of demand in terms of uh, equipping uh, employees who may be used to uh, working in desk environments are suddenly being suddenly being forced actually to work at home. And in our case, you know, Dell is an organization of circa 160,000 people. That entire workforce removed remotely over the course of uh, a couple of weeks, actually. And so in terms of defining what the edge meant, it meant that uh, all of a sudden the uh, sort of IT support function was, was stretched in ways it's probably been not stretched before. Processes in the business that used to sort of rely on people seeing people uh, walking down the corridors, I used to describe it, you know, that got broken completely because you couldn't do it anymore. There was a massive influx in our use of collaboration technologies. And, you know, Zoom is the one I think that uh, I would call out here specifically. Uh, And then finally, when you look at it, um, the other thing that we did was massively increase the amount of VPN concentration that we had available because that capacity suddenly became the lifeblood between you being able to secure a connection from an endpoint that was now somebody's laptop in a home environment all the way through to a set of corporate applications that they needed to continue to work to basically still function within the business. So the edge for us became 160,000 strong. It became laptop and collaboration enabled. And again, you know, we use a set of our own technologies and, and, uh, and, and software as a service type technologies to actually to continue to deliver. So, you know, from a business continuity point of view, a set of applications and a set of functions that basically allow Dell to continue uh, as it has been. And I think later on, we'll get into some discussions about how that might change. But for us, that's how, you know, we kind of redefine the edge, right? Yeah, and and just to add on that, actually, Nigel, you know, work from home is definitely here to stay, um, especially after COVID is over. Um, Dell actually conducted some research um, that said before COVID, on average, 20% of the employees had generally worked from home in any typical organization. But when that dust settles, it's going to be closer to 60% of the working population working from home. So it does have a huge effect on IT, company policies, you know, transformation, office space, but also culture. Um, you know, If you think about just the millions of people that are now working from home, it also brings its own organization challenges. You know, how do you make that experience for workers as equal as possible? 
you can't just have people sitting at the kitchen table. You know, that leads on to ergonomics, leads on to health issues, leads on to them broadband capacity, leads on to utility reimbursements. All of that is going to require extra diligence and governance that a company didn't do beforehand. And I think likewise, if you just look at your office equipment now that you're all faced with, you know, each, each one of us probably purchased a monitor, accessories, webcams, furniture. And going forward, we're going to have to refresh those items. Before, you know, IT and facilities would do that. Now we as employees are going to have to do that. So, so IT, once again, are creating you know, new models. They're negotiating with suppliers. They're having to provision, ordering websites, and also managing and reusing you know, all of that existing, existing office equipment. Um, I think the other issue, um, Nigel, is probably about how IT can support us at home. Um, you know, IT break fix, you can't go to someone's house and now fix their PC. You know, you're going to need to drive more swaps instead of, you know, debugging. Um, but we have seen at the same time a huge demand. And, and, and Lee, I know with Workspace One, we've seen huge demand for remote working solutions, um, as well as the move to, to laptops, because desktops fundamentally just don't give that um, portability. So I'll end by just saying, you know, Remote working is the way of the future. Um, the downside is that it, it makes it harder for new starters or makes it harder for those graduates that are coming in because how do you get them accustomed to your culture? Um, those fireside chats, those business meetings, those walking into a conference rooms and tackling business problems just won't be there anymore. It is a different world. So it really does require all of the organization, all of IT, all of the employee base to really have a different view of creativity and a real pulling together um, to survive in this post-pandemic. Fantastic. Thanks, Matt and, and Nigel, for those opening comments. And I'm sure we'll come on to discuss much of that in the next few questions. But I mean, Matt, I guess keeping with you, um, really, as a follow-on from your comments just now, to what extent are you kind of seeing, as a result of COVID, a kind of growing focus on employee and customer experience to remain competitive? You mentioned the kind of graduates for example um but what, what do you kind of see uh we we're certainly here at cio we've seen a bit of a, a higher priority and we touched a bit on this on episode one of cio's focusing much more employee experience so just talk us through to what extent you've seen that shift to to focus on employee and customer experience to, to remain competitive in this market no i think we've all seen it play out you know, over the last few months um just seeing how companies have had to move with a need for speed um, and fortunately for the technology sector, um, and that's across a diverse number of um, providers and suppliers and vendors, we've actually seen a huge momentum in technology helping businesses evolve um, in the last few months whilst planning for the future. I mean, all you've got to do is just look at the look at the high street or look at your daily life. You know, you look at the Starbucks and Costas. You know, they're now using technology to create a touchless experience. You know, you go in, you order on the app, you pick up your mobile um, coffee and you don't need to necessarily go and queue an order inside the coffee shop now. Um, likewise, you, know, you look at the hospitality industry. Um, every pub, bar, restaurant have now had to really take their business that was closed for three or four months and now set up channels through that fast food delivery services just to keep their businesses ticking over. Um, we've seen new virtual services created. You know, lots of companies do team buildings and you can now do, you know, um, painting together or yoga classes together or motivational speakers together. But that's now all over Zoom or pick your favorite application. 
it is just a changed world. Um, and then finally, you know, uh, Michelin, um, another great example of just a, a brick and mortar tire company. Um, they know that in the future, people are going to be more nervous about going into to shops and getting their cars, you know, change the tires. They're actually embarking on a new business model where you have tire based subscriptions. So you actually no longer need to go in into the garage anymore to, to keep safe um, from, from COVID. And I think if you just look at what we're doing at Intel, you know, just look at how much you've been using your own laptop. You know, we realize that you've got to look at your product for what it can do and what it can do in a changed world. Learning from home is going to be the new normal. Having customer meetings in Asia, in Europe, in USA, in one time zone is the new normal. Working in different areas of your house with the requirement of all day battery life, a new normal. Um, and this move from notebook to desktop, as I mentioned, um, will just help accelerate that continued refresh of technology now in the home. So again, you know, huge focus on employee and customer experience. We've got to change. We've got to think differently. Um, and it's exciting times, ultimately. Uh, Lee, just come to you on that. You've obviously just come back from uh, the Yorkshire Dales, uh, where you saw a lot of this uh, in action, really. And I guess that this echoes also your comments in episode one, where you're talking about organisations needing to be kind of digital first. So just talk us through what you've seen on this uh, respect at, at VMware. Yeah, it's, uh, obviously, man, thanks for mentioning my uh, staycation there, Doug. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's examples all around. You know, Matt just talked about a few of them. But, you know, one we were talking about um, when the uh, the microphones closed down yesterday was just this this you know, immediate obvious impact of some of the, uh, you know, the changes that we're seeing about this digital first world in, in various verticals. And, you know, even small things like... Um, the on-site restaurant and bar that I was in, uh, you know, involved in uh, consuming some, some goods and services through last week, should we say, you know, probably three or four months ago, that was done in the traditional, somebody walks up to your table with a with a pen and paper and, and takes your order and, uh, you know, the, the food and drinks turn up. And last week it was scan this QR code on the edge of the table with your smart device. Uh, the menu appears, you select your order that you want for your, for your wife, your kids, your family, your partner, whoever. Um, you then move to an immediate payment screen on a on a SaaS based service. So you select the table number that you're sat at, and off it goes to the kitchen. And minutes later, the drinks start arriving and the food starts arriving. And that's you know a, a really simple example of uh, you know an industry that you know may have a you know what I guess people might call a, a relatively um, you know low level of maturity in terms of being digitally ready to engage with their customers. Um, but, you know, saw an immediate high impact of, you know, a change to their business model. Um, you know, and this caused them to have to go and invest and accelerate their their use of these kind of platforms very quickly to be able to, you know, embrace this new way of, of servicing their customers. And it's it's something that we see in, in every vertical, you know, it's whether it's transport, retail, education, public sector, healthcare, um, you know, the events we've been through are are just making it obvious now. So, you know, education, for example, we're doing a lot of work with educational uh, institutions and academies around, uh, you know, moving more services online uh, to be delivered virtually. Uh, when we look at some of our transport customers, you know, they're now looking at um, you know, new ways of doing data sharing, tracking and traceability through some of their apps that they already have, because now those metrics are becoming you know, critical. Um, you know, hopefully not needed all the time, but, you know, as we maybe go in and out of these so-called phase lockdowns, you know, those things become more important. 
um, you know, the services industries and the hospitality industries, as Matt said, you know, having to embrace and be able to adapt very quickly, you know, using a digital first model to, to new ways of servicing their consumers. Um, you know, and the same things happened within our own organizations in terms of, you know, our internal IT team looking at different ways of, you know, ensuring that, that us, their consumer, uh, you know, the workforce for VMware, get the same level of, of service that we expect that maybe would have been delivered to, to some of our employees through on-site uh, facilities. And now that's not possible. So, you know, I think this um, this kind of new term is one that people are going to hear a lot of about, you know, what does it mean to be digitally enabled and what does digital first strategy mean? And, uh, you know, I think when you look back at the previous two episodes, it kind of encompasses everything we've been talking about in terms of this this new shift uh, and focus to you know, how you can deliver your services to the you know, the people that consume them. Fantastic, thanks, Lee. And I know we're going to come on to some of the um, well, almost a mini case study of VMware's experience through this as well in a few moments. But I mean, Nigel, I guess coming to you at this point, um, maybe playing slightly devil's advocate, we're speaking here a lot about remote working. But as we, we spoke about the other day, you know, we are seeing some organisations return to site, return to office environments. Um, and I think you, you mentioned yourself that you're out on a kind of a trip uh, overseas shortly. So what's the impact there on the kind of senior IT leadership as they prepare for that? It's something like a hybrid working world we're about to enter into. Yeah, so I think, you know, Matt's observations around the success around remote working, I 100% echo. I think there's two caveats. One there are certain industry verticals where that's impractical. Uh, if you look at the manufacturing vertical, where you you know you're physically involved in the in the manufacture of goods, particularly, then the idea that you can conduct that remotely is um, uh, is not practical. Uh, so therefore, you need to put in place a set of measures where you blend technology that you might already have invested in, but didn't really use that much along with a set of corporate guidelines, so leadership here in terms of the IT teams uh, leading the charge in terms of, right, how are we going to temperature measure? How are we going to uh, ensure social distancing? How are we going to maybe use intelligent badging so that uh, we can guarantee a, a certain level of occupancy in rooms or in certain physical areas? There's a number of ways, I think, in which technology can blend with the physical infrastructure, so the remodeling of a facility, for example, where actually the, the net result for that during the COVID period is to allow people that flexibility to return to site should they choose to. And my, my second observation is, you know, we're social animals. And the idea that we can sit in front of laptop screens and, and, and this, this becomes a 100% way that we interact in the professional world, I, I, I'm not sure I buy into that. So therefore, the idea that Returning to site and returning to a degree of physicality blended with what we're doing digitally is, is for me, why a number of organizations are starting to look to return to site policies. And here we are, at the back end of August, we're looking at a national educational program that is trying to figure out how to safely return children to schools. And again, part of that will be an element of, uh, of technology. Part of that will be an element of, of care. And part of that will be a way of which the uh, the parents can be uh, reassured that these blends that we're going to see are actually safe and practical. Because again, you know, my my own personal perspective on this is that as as human beings, we interact best when we interact. And whilst I look at the the world that we live in now, and I am amazed at the extent to which we've been able to be as productive as we are, you know, in my heart of hearts, 
I'd rather be back in a physical building. And I suspect some of the people listening to this podcast are in the same space. So return to site is a reality in some instances. And I think we need to blend the use of technology with leadership to actually make sure that that can be done safely and that you can benefit from this hybrid model, much to the sort of things that Matt described. But as I said, with, with a couple of caveats. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thanks, Nigel. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, Lee, coming back to you, uh, you referenced that kind of VMware uh, internal transformation, if you like, that we saw pre-COVID anyway. But I guess for a lot of people listening, obviously huge uncertainty. We don't necessarily know what the, the next six, nine months or 12 months hold. Um, so given what you've seen at VMware and also with your customers, how do the kind of IT leaders modernize through that uncertainty? You know, some might be experiencing kind of revenue drops um, or freezes on IT budgets or resources that have been cut. So, um, yeah, what do you see given your experience at VMware, but also of your customers as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, just like our customers, you know, we found ourselves um, you know, evolving you know, through the journey when we went confronted with, um, you know, with COVID-19. Um, you know, VMware, and, and there's probably many customers listening to this and organizations who are similar in terms of, you know, we, we already had a well-established um, digital transformation program. So we moved relatively quickly through the kind of, uh, you know, the, you know, the respond, adapt, accelerate phases, if you like. Um, but even, you know, going through those transitions, you know, we start to make decisions along the way. And we do have... Um, you know, a highly distributed remote workforce from the outset, which is maybe not like everybody. Um, and as to Nigel's point, you know, I think we are, you know, hopefully going to see, uh, you know, a phased and, uh, and, you know, deliberate return to site for many customers, you know, and I fully, in, you know, endorse what Nigel says, you know, I've spent my career traveling around, you know, and I, I like Nigel, I'd much rather think that in the next 12 to 24 months, I'm going to return to that and, and be physically seeing people and visiting customers and, going to events to speak um not that it's not great being at home but you know to be in these four walls for the rest of my working career is something i haven't really contemplated to be honest so i am you know hopeful that we're going to return to something like normality but you know what this has caused i think a lot of organizations to look at is you know to look at how they use their it teams to um you know enable remote working and not just remote working in terms of you know suddenly saying right all of these roles can now be done from home but you know, how easy is it for them to, you know, to give access to corporate applications across multiple devices? You know, they've, they've heard the likes of, you know, myself and, and Nigel and Matt talk about this probably for years in terms of using technologies like Workspace One to allow, um, you know, seamless bring up of corporate app on your personal uh, iPhone or Android device or tablet or, or, or desktop. Um and I think, you know, maybe recent events have started to reinforce why that is, you know, a highly desirable uh, impact or, you know, side effect of your design. You know, it's something that, you know, many customers have kind of looked at and said, well, I don't see an immediate need for this. But recent events have really started to show the value of being able to deliver those applications anywhere very quickly. Um, you know, and I think we will see a pivot. You know, we we went from... Uh, you know, a 5% remote workforce pre-COVID um, to a 95% in the space of a couple of hours and days. Um, you know, we're going to go back to opening our offices in, in a gradual way, but I think that percentage balance will never go back to the original. It will always now be a, you know, a high degree of remote working. And, um, you know, so executing that that shift is, is going to put more focus on digital workspace solutions. Um, you know, it's going to 
increase the importance of being able to leverage hybrid cloud architectures to allow you to you know, spin those resources up and down. Um, and all of this has been seen firsthand by all our customers. You know, they're now, uh, you know, they're not, if they're not that they didn't understand the vision before, but, you know, this recent set of events has, uh, you know, really driven home the importance of, of having this hybrid multi-cloud approach, having this consistent approach to operations in terms of, you know, how the teams consume those resources and deliver those resources out to the various consumers. Uh, and, you know, I think that is something that is is not going to go away. You know, it's not something we're just going to forget in two months' time when we, when we go back to our offices. I think this is now permanently ingrained in everybody's minds that, that this is the, the importance of doing IT this way. Um, you know, this concept of mobility and flexibility has been uh, driven home to all of us in a very real way in, since you know, kind of January 2020. Yeah, no, thanks, Lee. And, and I guess, I mean, Nigel, just as a follow-on from that, I mean, I guess Lee's key comments there around mobility, flexibility, the consistency of operations. I mean, I guess that all illustrates the need for kind of stable, reliable infrastructure platforms, not just for COVID, but kind of moving beyond as well. I know we spoke a lot about uh, multi-cloud and in particular that kind of build versus buy conversation, but what's your thoughts on how COVID is, is kind of shaping the, the infrastructure conversation, what you need as the kind of backbone to your digital business, really? Yeah, so, you know, again, when we look at it, uh, you know, we see an argument around modernity is probably the, the main sort of point that I'd make here, which is, look, you know, pre this, you had a set of investments in, in elements of your IT that were clearly capable of delivering cloud operating models and, and ones that, you know, substantially weren't. And, your ability to sort of service that infrastructure remotely is a function in part of its age, its capability. But what we have, you know, consistently seen is a spike in the use of cloud as an operating model, be it through, you know, increased use of, you know, collaboration services, software as a service uh, type models. But if this has done anything, it has absolutely, you know, to Lee's point earlier, gotten people thinking about how they digitally enable elements of their business that previously perhaps they couldn't imagine in, in some sort of digital context. And your point is well made. You can't do that on stuff that doesn't support its capability. So when you're looking at how you build out these cloud models, then uh, infrastructure architectures based around you know, the, the highest levels of virtualization and the highest levels of automation, where you are driving significant capacity from very small form factors from ruggedized environments where perhaps you're having to push compute network and storage capability out to a facility that you previously might have imagined would be a five-year journey and has turned into a five-month journey. Then again, these are all sort of factors that make you reassess the modernity of the infrastructure you have and the extent to which a set of investments now, one, triggers enablement in areas that you didn't enable before, two, potentially reduces cost associated with these some of these models. And three, and I think Lee will pick up on this later, but Matt, more to you, this nature that I can do so much more with tech now than I could, you know, even 18 months ago. And some of the announcements and, and, and enhancements that we have made, you know, Matt sort of, you know, can help me out here from the Intel side, but, you know, you've been a big, big partner of, of ours in, in sort of helping deliver these some of the capabilities, right? And modernity for me is the absolute watchword here. 
Yeah, agree, Nigel. I mean, for, for any modern architecture, like you said, you know, it's it's performance, it's data placement, it's security, it's productivity without boundaries. And the last thing you want is, you know, any Dell or Intel server to be a technology roadblock. Um, and, you know, we've been working, collaborating for many years and, you know, our products together can handle the broadest range of customer requirements across a variety of you know, different workloads. Um, together, you know, Intel has leading mainstream performance and value. And if you couple this with you know, Dell, who are number one server vendor in the UK, together we can help provide that consistent, reliable, compatible solution um, you know, with both pre and post support. But one area I'm really keen to talk about is, is security. We mentioned that in a few earlier podcasts, but, but really, you know, Intel and Dell can help protect the integrity of your data uh, with hardware-enhanced security really embedded at the silicon level. That way you can trust, you know, your protections is extended all the way up the stack, hypervisor, OS, application, network, and cloud. So you can really benefit from the fact that your server is constantly looking for malicious attacks, constantly defending um, defending security attacks and making sure that you can benefit from effectively faster restart and recovery whilst having no compromise on performance. And as we talk about performance, um, really excited that a brand new and exciting technology that's helping Dell boost its PowerEdge servers is Intel Optane Persistent Memory. Um, it's a completely new class of memory and storage revolutionary design to help process large volumes of data. It can help expand system memory capability. It can really help you process large amounts of information closer to the CPU, and at the same time, minimizing that latency of fetching data from storage. So with Intel Optane Persistent Memory, you can really get the boast of both worlds and design your appliance, your application, to make sure that you're optimized for a variety of performance, choice of solution, productivity, and security. And I really encourage you to reach out to either Lee, Nigel, or myself um, for any further information on any of our product technologies available. Fantastic. Thanks, Matt. So we're coming towards the end. So Lee, I want to come to you on essentially where we're going next. You know, we've spoken about software defined, we've spoken about hybrid cloud, um, and we've debunked hopefully some of the myths around cloud cloud native and how realistic that is for a lot of organizations so where, where do you think uh, most IT leaders are going next given the scenario we find ourselves in today yeah I think what we're going to see is um, you know a big acceleration in um, you know hybrid multi-cloud architectures and, and the approaches that customers have, have taken there or the efforts that they've they, they've spent here you know and I think there's a lot of parallels being drawn from, you know, some of the projects that they maybe started at a smaller scale, uh, you know, based around workspace management and remote working and how that actually equally applies to to any application. You know, when you look at the challenges we talked about earlier, and that's, you know, it's, you know remote workforce is not just about, say, the EDI. It's also about looking at how do you do the deployment, how do you do the management, how do you do the, you know, edge network optimization, and how do you hook that into your hybrid architecture? You know, all of those things you need to be able to do effectively for, um, you know, remote workforce capabilities. But equally, those things also apply for, for the other applications that you're going to build and support. And if your platform can't do those things as well, then, you know, customers are looking at that and going, right, okay, well, if we want to do, uh, you know, remote working effectively, we need to address all those things. But hey, guess what? That also applies to the other enterprise applications that we need to make available to our customers who are potentially external to the business. And, 
go back to Matt's point about security, you know, we then we now got to look at, you know, ha- have we got the right level of capability in the overlay? Can we build the the, you know, the network security into that intrinsically? Can we secure the endpoints properly? You know, and how do we how do we deliver that? So. I think you know this is you know going back to the the points that we've made consistently through these through series is this set of events that we've all had to live through um, you know has really kind of shined the light on the, the the architectures and visions that we all talked about in 2019 anyway, um, but it's just accelerated the importance of them in terms of the multi-cloud approach, um, you know the software-defined approach to things like networking and why that is so critical if you want to do intrinsic security properly. Uh, and then be able to do all of the above consistently across multiple platforms, whether that's a hyperscaler platform, on-premises platform, or a managed platform that you know the, the likes of Dell Technologies can make available to you. Operationally, your team still need a consistent way to manage that. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of reflects the work that you know I'm doing in my day job with my customers. Uh, I'm sure the same goes for Nigel and Matt. Uh, you know, I think it's just kind of focused people's minds uh, a lot more sharply. Fantastic. Thanks, Lee. So, I mean, I guess my final uh, pretty big question, to be honest, is, you know, across this ep- this uh, series, we've spoken today about the, the workforce, you know, on episode two, we spoke a lot about multi-cloud uh, and modernizing your application. So what, what's your kind of final top tips uh, for the audience today that have listened in? Um, if you have one or two tips to give them, Lee, perhaps going back to you, and then we'll go to, to Nigel and Matt. Yeah, I mean, you know, my tip would be very simple, and that would be, um, you know, reach out to to any of the people, any of the corporations on the on these um, these podcasts. We've spent uh, many years building this kind of uh, hybrid cloud architecture. We've we've implemented many projects. We work with many customers of, of from every industry vertical. Um, you know, people like Nigel and myself spend all of our time, you know, engaging in uh, you know active two-way discussions with architects and CTOs at accounts. You know, we've seen a lot of the possibilities, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, you know, the the absolute number one tip is start the conversation early, get us involved, um, reach out, and uh, you know, we'll have an open discussion about you know what you can and you can't do. Um, you know, so if if you do anything after today, it's just you know don't be afraid to reach out and, and engage us for a for a Zoom chat, which one day maybe will be a face to face chat. Yeah, I, you know, Lee, I'm uh, I'm positively looking forward to that being the case. To be perfectly honest with you, but um, look, I think over the course of not only this podcast but the three in the series, we've covered a huge amount of ground. I think we've talked about a lot of areas that uh, technology professionals are curious about particularly cloud, cloud adoption models, the, uh, the the race to digitize, as I said, processes that previously they were not thinking about digitizing, and then sort of how technology can be blended in this sort of hybrid world that we currently find ourselves in, so that when we do return to site in, in the situations where we're doing that, that again, you know, technology is being seen as a as a way of actually assisting greatly in in, in what might be a position where some people, you know, might rightly feel nervous. So for me, um, if I'm an IT leader right now, I think the one thing that I can do above all is have a strategy, be communicating with both my peers on the board of the companies that I represent, and also giving clear leadership and clear direction to those that work for me and to those that I can influence. So that, again, we are seen as being people that are in control of a situation that we are continuing to provide continuity and levels of support that make our employees feel comfortable and that above all we are seen as people that uh, you know lead to your point that people in the organization can go to when they have a challenge 
where IT is often and increasingly now the fix for that challenge. And again, I think through leadership and through um, clear and strong messaging, both across the organization, through up and down the organization, then right now, you know, that can be uh, that can be quite comforting for people in organizations who are maybe struggling with some of the elements of IT that they weren't comfortable with before. You know, working remotely has its challenges, as we, as we know. But I think IT leadership right now should be absolutely at the back of that ship with its hands on the wheel, steadying it and making sure that, we you know, when the when the waters and the weather returns to calmer times, the, you know, the company is best set up from a technology perspective to take advantage of changes that are inevitable, but where, you know, you position yourself to be a winner in this outcome, not necessarily somebody who's on the receiving end of a, uh, a, a you know, of the wrong end of that spectrum. So for me, it's all about leadership and IT's desire to drive that and be seen as driving it. Yeah, and I think just just to add a couple of closing thoughts, you know, in summary, we're seeing a world where everything increasingly is looking like a computer, right? Including our homes, our cars, our cities, our hospitals, our factories, and now even our schools. So we definitely see technology as a key path to economic recovery. We definitely see organizations having to pivot quickly to adapt and evolve, not just to survive, um, but also to come out stronger. Um, we've talked about the cloud, you know, Lee and Doug, we've talked about um, hyper-converged, on-prem, public. Ultimately, there is no single perfect cloud model. There is no single one-answer set of approach. You've got to optimize. You've got to choose the right strategy that's right for you. And we've also talked about the numerous growth in data, you know, an unprecedented rate of data. It's really important that any organization now crystallizes that data. Applications need to be able to access that quickly, smart, fast, and secure. And actually, you do something with that data to either solve a business problem or create a new business model. And then finally, you know, I'll end by just saying people's health are going to be critical to the world economic recovery, just as the economic recovery is critical to everyone's health. When we fully reopen after COVID-19, be better for it. There won't be a return to yesterday. Take what you've learned and bring it into a positive effect. And thank you for listening. Fantastic. Thanks, Matt, for those final comments. And thanks to you, Nigel and Lee, for taking part in the IT Modernization podcast series. I've really enjoyed the conversations we've had across those three episodes. And of course, thanks to you listeners that have also joined us along the way. For those who have only listened to this episode, I deeply encourage you to check out the others. Alternatively, you can head to a slew of websites at your disposal, and that includes cio.com, dell.com, intel.com, insight.com, or vmware.com. You can even, I'm told, contact the trio on all respectable social media if you have any questions or would like any further information. But for now, I'm Doug Drinkwater. Thanks for listening to the IT Modernization podcast series. And goodbye.